Philippians 3.16 promises, if you live up to what you already know from Scripture, God will make more spiritual truth clear to you, things that aren't clear now. But first, you have to sync your life with your Bible knowledge. Is there any part of your life that is out of sync with what you claim to believe? Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. Disunity comes typically when we stop running, we stop serving, we stop working, we start picking it the way everyone else is running and serving. And we start critiquing the way other people are running their race. We're not going to be as prone to do that if we are running our own race, if we're running as hard as we can. See, it's easy to criticize an athlete from an armchair, isn't it? <laughs> Happens every Sunday afternoon during football season. You got, today is August 28th, which means we're only two weeks away from the, the start of the, the regular armchair quarterback season. Every Sunday, millions of overweight, lazy sluggards will sit in their easy chair and go on and on and on about how inept and incompetent bum some world-class athlete is. That's easy to do from your couch. But you get up there on the field with him and you start to face the same kind of opposition that he's experiencing and I think you'll cut him a little bit more slack. Congregations start biting and devouring each other when people stop serving and start critiquing how everyone else is doing. There are some people that they're like that. They don't don't do anything. They're not doing any ministry. They They think it's their calling to sit back and just criticize everybody who is doing the work. But when you, when you get down in the trenches and you roll up your sleeves, you start working, you start serving, you realize it's harder than it looks. <laughs> and, and so the harder each one of us runs and the more we, we work, we experience the difficulty of it, we experience the opposition from the enemy, and the less inclined we are to criticize the other runners in the race. So not only does our awareness of our immaturity help our unity, but our, the actual running helps our unity. So Paul tells us, if you're, if you're mature, then you should adopt this attitude that I've laid out, and when you find you have disagreements on other stuff, just look to God in humility and trust Him to reveal the truth. And then in the meantime, third point he makes here, verse 16. In the meantime, let us live up to what we have already attained. So while we're working on, on straightening out our differences, let's remember that there are, there are lots of things that we don't differ on as a church, right? This is so important. When you find yourself disagreeing with someone in the church, think about the things that you you do agree on and live up to that. There's a lot of things that are crystal clear, right? Crystal clear. And so while we work on the points of disagreement, let's make sure we're living in conformity to these truths that we've already attained. And this is the point where he's telling us to sync up our lives. Live in sync with what you've already attained as an individual and as a church. When, when, when it, whenever a church loses its unity and the people start going after each other, it's usually a situation where each side of the controversy is more concerned about arguing their view than they are about actually living up to their view. Whenever you see a guy who's going around just correcting everybody's theology and everybody's doctrine, all too often you find that guy, all this amazing theological wealth of wisdom that he has is worthless because he's not living it. He's a PhD when it comes to information about the Bible, but he's still a kindergartner when it comes to actually putting it into practice. 
And so Paul says, instead of fighting and quarreling and arguing, uh, or looking down your nose at people with inferior theology, if your doctrine that you have is so great, if this theological system that you have is so great, so amazing, how about you just focus your actually living out this wonderful doctrine and theology that you supposedly understand so clearly? Examine your heart for just a moment. I've been doing this all week. Just, this is a very convicting passage. Is there, somebody, is there somebody you're at odds with? Somebody in the church that you're, you kind of look down on them? Maybe it's the leadership. Everything we do, you just think, man, they're not doing it right. If you have insight on how, things, how we could do things better, that's awesome. Just, we're all ears. We'd love to hear your counsel. But in the meantime, while we're getting straightened out, in the meantime, each time you feel that sense of distress because things aren't being handled well, just take a moment to reflect on the question, am I living up to what I've already attained? I have all these insights. I have all this wisdom. Does my life and my character and my attitudes and my words and my actions, are they consistent with my high level of understanding? Imagine there's a country where there's a king, but he's just a figurehead king, like the Queen of England or something. Just, he has no real power. He doesn't make any decisions. He doesn't govern. He doesn't make any laws, anything like that. He just dresses up in his royal robes, appears at public events, and he's the, sort of the face of the kingdom. All the power, the real power to govern, is in the hands of a group of men that nobody knows. They're just behind the scenes. They have no title, no official authority, nothing like that. They're just the ones behind the scenes, running everything. Now the king, might, he might appear at an event and talk about certain policies and laws, and I hold this view, and I think we should do it, and he believes in certain principles and all that, but none of that has any impact on how the country is actually governed. That's the way some Christians are with their professions of faith. If you ask, you ask them, what do you believe? And they, they'll tell you all this wonderful doctrine from Scripture, all this great theology. Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins, the supreme act of love, and I am to love my neighbor then as I have been loved by Christ. I'm to forgive as I have been forgiven. I am to love God with all my heart, soul, and strength. And they got they got all this doctrine. Jesus is the great treasure. He's the source of life. He's the source of all joy. Nearness to him is better than anything in this world, and on and on. And they know it. They know it all. They know it all. And but but those all those beliefs are kind of like a figurehead king. They appear front and center, all dressed up, uh, like, like, as if they were the ruling authority in life, but in practice, they have no actual influence over how he lives. When he makes decisions, those doctrines aren't the deciding factor in his decision-making. When he chooses one thing over another, one option over another option, those things don't even come into play. The real power brokers behind the scenes in his life are his fleshly impulses his human reasoning, his natural desires, selfishness, and pride. Those are the things really calling the shots, running the country of his life. And his doctrinal positions are just this empty, powerless figureheads that are there to be seen. And that's all. Now, what I just described to you is a hypocrite, right? That's, that's a hypocrite. And all of us tend to slip in that direction, don't we? We just tend to slide in that direction. So Paul tells us, look, if you want to strive towards maturity, 
Your goal needs to be live up to what you've already attained. Live it out. The mature Christian is someone who, who's fighting as hard as he can against inconsistency between beliefs and practice. He's trying to get that synced up. Beliefs and practices need to be synced. What he's describing that is a, there's a, the good part of you has attained something, right? He says, live up to what you've already attained. So that's you who attained it, right? You, 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 you attained. The good part of you attained something, but there's other parts of you that aren't synced up to that yet. And so the mature Christian declares war on his own hypocrisy and strives for greater and greater authenticity. Authenticity is the opposite of hypocrisy. It's when what's presented on the outside, it's in sync with the reality on the inside. If the glorious truths of Scripture are not just figurehead, but they're really the ruling authority in your life, that's authenticity. Now, does that mean you're going to be perfect and never slip into hypocrisy? No. Remember, first mark of spiritually mature people is to know that they're, that they're, they're failure. So, no, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It does mean that when your flesh tries to become the behind-the-scenes power broker in your life, uh, you deal decisively with that. You deal with it. You know, a king, if a king really is in charge, he really is in power, and somebody else tries to take control from him, what happens to that guy, typically? (laughs) The king deals with him, right? Very harshly with that rebel. It's the same thing with the spiritually mature Christian. That's what you'll do. When your fleshly desires start to take over and you look back, it's like, wow, this, my flesh has been trying to take over my behavior. Man, I'm dealing with that. I'm going to show no mercy. I'm going to show no mercy. And the way you show no mercy to your flesh is by thorough repentance. Thorough repentance. You see an area of hypocrisy in your life where you're claiming to believe one thing but you're not acting that way and and you you know there's some clear steps you could take that would move you in that direction but you're not taking those steps. Now it's one thing if you just you've taken all the steps you know to take and you're still you're still struggling that's that's different but suppose there's some steps you know if I did this I know it would help but I'm not taking them. You, you claim to believe that sexual purity is important and, and you know that full honesty and accountability with someone about your failures would, would really probably help. You're just, you're just not quite ready to pull the trigger on that one. You know you need to deal with your anger problem and you know that you know, counseling would probably help or you know, going through a book like Uprooting Anger would help, but you just, uh, you just never seem to get around to it. Once the trouble that's caused by your sin blows over and your life gets back to normal, eh, it's not as much of a priority anymore and you don't deal with it. Our flesh gets out of sync with the part of us that understands and believes God's Word. And, the, and Paul is calling the mature believer to sync up. Sinking up will help you run the next leg of your race. You need that to run the next leg. Because when it says God will reveal that to you also, only let us live up to what we've already attained, the implication of that is if you want God to reveal more, then you have to obey what He's already revealed. He's saying you should live up to what you already know. It's verse 16. But in verse 15, he says, everyone who is mature should adopt this view that I've, I've laid out, this attitude. And if on some point you think differently, God will make that clear, but live up to what you already attained. And I think the implication is, if you want God to make it clear, you've got to live up to what you've already attained. 
Right? If you want more, you've got to be faithful with, with what you've been given. Some people are perpetually confused about certain parts of Scripture, certain doctrines, not because they don't have the intellectual ability to grasp them, but because they don't have, they don't obey what they already know. They're not, they're not doing thorough repentance. They're not, they're, they're not taking the steps they know they could take. And so God doesn't open their eyes further. In fact, He closes them, and they lose even what they used to have. A lot of you are here in this church because you want to go deeper in your study of God's Word. And we have an in-depth approach here, and so, so a lot of people are attracted to that who are mature Christians. But there's a danger in a church like this, where we take this in-depth approach. The danger is that we start thinking that we're growing spiritually just because we're learning more information. We just get tons of information, like, oh, I'm really growing. I'm really growing, because I learned this stuff that I didn't know before. Now, learning's crucial. That's why we do it. You have to learn in order to grow. You cannot grow without learning from Scripture, period. Absolutely. That's why we have emphasis on in-depth teaching, but just learning information, if it's not synced up with doing Worthless. James one twenty five, right? Worthless. If you hear the word, you don't put it into practice, it's useless. What if God told you that he's sending an angel to shadow you all day tomorrow, to test you to see if you're living up to what you know? All the Bible knowledge you have, this angel will be checking to see if you're a hypocrite or if you're really living up to what you know. Can you think of anything you would do differently tomorrow? Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.